0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Frontiers Cafe. I'm Milan and today I'm joined by my former professor, Dr. Ali Egman from California State University, Long Beach. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Egman,
1: for sure. coming aboard and agreeing to meet. My pleasure. I for the audiences, introduce yourself, what you do, and let's go with the last film you watched that you enjoyed. Okay, I guess the last
2: film, maybe I'll start with that. The last film I watched was uh, *The Power of the Dog*, and Jane Campion's movie. I watched it twice with two different groups of people, and so as a result, the experience was quite different. So we'll see. I, I guess it's up for many awards. No matter what you think about awards, I think this might be uh, worth it to to see it. Well, I was going to ask, who was the first group? First was with family my mom and my brother and then the second group was a bunch of friends my 88 year old mom said she's a fan of movies she said it was just too dark both the the uh, camera work and the story and but she thought was she's a fan of cumberbatch and the second group they thought it was a mystery Oh no! (laughs) uh, So uh, it's interesting. I mean, it is a mystery at the end, but you know, I got what's going on more the second time around uh, because it's so subtle.
1: Have you seen it? I have not actually. This is one I need to see. I remember my mother was watching it, and I caught her in the beginning walking through the living room. I'm like, oh, what's this? And she's like, The Power of the Dog. I'm like how is it? And she's like over melodramatic Oscar bait. Yeah. And then I'm like okay. And then I come back later, and I'm like how'd it go? And she's like it was really really good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun seeing that like right. it does kind of have that image of yeah. shown we're gonna be considered seriously in a critical sense. Yeah. But also. Um, just being able to really convey a strong story. And I'm a fan of Cumberbatch. I'm also a fan of Westerns. I don't know how I haven't seen... Oh, no, I know how I haven't seen it. I have a thesis I'm working on. But it's like a two and a half hour movie or something.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a Western in your sort of typical Western-style movies. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a sp- spaghetti but Western, yeah, you know, yeah. European understanding of the West. But yeah, so just to go back to your first question, so my name is Ali Iman, and I'm a historian of Soviet Central Asia mostly. My training is really Soviet history, and I've been teaching at California State University uh, for 16 years now, and then before that I taught at the University of Wisconsin for a year, the postdoc, and then before that my PhD is from University of Washington in Seattle, so I taught there as a, you know, lecture a couple of years. And I have a book called Speaking Soviet with an Accent about uh, houses of culture, Soviet house of culture in Kyrgyzstan. I have a second book which is an edited volume on gender in soviet period and post-soviet period and performance and then now i'm working on a book on turkey actually coming out of my own comfort zone and kind of going home but you know no, i'm not really trained as a turkish historian so i'm kind of, kind of a kind of wing it so at this point i it doesn't even have to be a academic book Anyway, that's about me. Yeah. Well, I wish you luck with the new book. And also, I remember
1: Chris and I at Long Beach, we were at the bookstore. We actually saw two copies of Speaking Soviet with an Accent. Oh, <laughs> okay. And we bought them. <laughs> the last two were like, there's no way we're passing this up. We were like, <laughs> That's great. So, um, yeah, no, I've read your book and I've taken your classes, and they've been wonderful. I mean, thank you, thank um, you.
0: We're doing this because of 402. History 402, also known as Oral History Methods, was a course I took with Professor Dr. Eamon. Over the course, we went over methods of how to conduct oral history interviews and the use of these methods in writing academic papers. Which is great. This is Uh, the oral history methods. Oral history
1: methods, yeah, for those not familiar with Long Beach's curriculum.
0: (laughs) Pretty niche, we're in an exclusive audience. Yes, yes, right.
1: Uh, No, but it's been great, and then actually I wanted to return to the topic of Westerns because, I don't know if you remember, but part of my thesis is also dealing with partisan Westerns. Yeah. Which is also not really a Western, but it's an own kind of um, genre hybrid. Before I get into my work, would you care to explain how part of the dog doesn't line up with what people consider to be traditional Westerns?
2: Yeah, I mean, it is probably more authentic in some ways, even though it was filmed in New Zealand, supposed to represent Montana. In fact, I guess that actor, what's his name, Sam Elliott, yeah. was very critical of it, really? you know, saying you know, a bunch of Men with their shirts off, and you know, he's probably bothered by there's a subtext which I shouldn't give it away. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming from a really macho point of view, and, and Jane Campion said, Oh, I love Sam Elliot, you know, it's fine if he thinks that way or something like that. But several journals looked into his background. He lives in Malibu, it has nothing to do with cowboy life, so. You know, you know what I mean. Anyway, so uh, the movie is really about really relationships, mm-hmm. and it's about toxic masculinity, which is such a you know in t- term right now. And it's almost a play more than a film because there are five six characters who are constantly in a certain relationship and explores that. So regarding its western. It's being a Western. It's just the environment, what they do, how they go about their day. So you get a sense of how a ranch
1: works. Right. Just life on the ranch. Right. Trying to figure out. And that's interesting that it's more of a play than a film because I immediately thought of the tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Uh Washington.
2: Right. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah,
1: they do speak Shakespearean English. Yeah. And I would not recommend going into this with a theater with a cocktail in hand because it's going to be a little harder to follow um, all the these and those. But it's it's great and much more about the relationships. That's the plot. Whereas they kind of have in the background like tragedy. Macbeth is him coming to terms with um, coming to power and trying to maintain power and morality at that sense. But right. the um, you know, whole arc of the king is in the background. And I'm wondering if this is something similar in *How the Dog, where the relationships are really what grab the audiences.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you focus on the relationships because that's, I think, Jane Campion's intention. It's hard to like the, any of the characters. It's, it's true, not true, There's one character is really likable. And it's not sentimental just the opposite of sentimental so I think you if you are paying attention and not just watching the movie for an entertainment mm-hmm. uh, you'll get into the you know main purpose of Jane Campion here some people thought some other friends watched it and they thought the soundtrack was overwhelming mm. I love the soundtrack but they were saying what a soundtrack it just almost so literal that take, it takes you from it tells you oh now this is coming and now that's coming which I thought was didn't bother me at all so I thought the soundtrack was all, another character in the movie oh that's great so was it an original score too yes it's an original score I you can look up the, I can remember the it's also nominated for an Oscar so it's pretty amazing I need I did see another film on movie. It was a Japanese film about Second World War. I'll look it up for you and uh, tell you. It's a recent film. It's called "Wife of a Spy." Of a spy. Wife of a spy, and it's 2020. Oh, okay, it's so a new. So it's good. It's it's uh, an interesting film. I mean, it's really even even. Applies to what we are going through with Ukraine right now. I think, you know, in terms of recent films, I think those are that come to mind. We talked about movie, I think. Mm-hmm. So, movie is really good for, uh, you know, not just watching what is popular or what is most recent, but pay attention to the curation. Uh, you can find things that might be interesting to you. I've actually found some films for my thesis
1: on that one. Great. Because, um, yeah. To go back to the theme, um, and partisan films, for those unfamiliar, are a genre of Yugoslav war films that were engaged in creating a memory of the partisan World War II fighters, the communist Yugoslav fighters, as a brotherly entity. And also sometimes they included women on uh-huh. um, films like Slavica. Yeah. But it, <laughs> they were very much engaged in showing the Balkans as kind of this... Political and ideological frontier yeah. in which these peoples in between at uh, World War II would be Soviet, Western, and to a smaller extent Turkish cultures inter- and uh-huh. their attempts to solidify into one multi-ethnic, multinationalist identity. Okay. And okay. Fun films, but they're very not actually no, some of them are brutal. But you know, they start kind of more serious because of soviet realism then later they kind of started interpreting different angles there's actually an interesting one one of the first like black actors in eastern european cinema was in a slovenian production really yeah i forgot the title of it but it's about he's an american fighter pilot that gets shot down over slovenia two kids find him and it's about those three trying to go across and get him to safe territory and the kids to safe territory oh
2: wow okay yeah when I was in college, I think, I saw this film. It was from former Yugoslavia, and it was sort of like, helped me with sexual awakening, I think. That uh, maybe you will know, it's like a Western woman who ends up as a captive in somewhere in former Yugoslavia. And I have a very vague fam- memory of it, but you know, there's a sexual play between the captive and the capture and for that time I was very explicit. Is it in the 70s? I think so, it's probably 70s, it's definitely the 70s because I came to the U.S. in 1980, so it got to be in the 70s, probably late 70s. I'm thinking of the sexually explicit one, and the only
1: one that's coming to my head right now is the WR, Mysteries of the Organism.
0: Maybe. The film that I mentioned was the 1971 Yugoslav film WR, Mysteries of the Organism, directed by Dushan Makaveev.
2: I remember this man captures this w- Western woman, somehow, a blonde woman, and, you know, sort of, there are certain stereotypes, right? The Slavic man is this tall, you know, muscular, distant guy, and sh- the Western woman is this blonde woman, and it's almost like what they call what is it? Stockholm? Stockholm Syndrome, Syndrome yeah. I don't know. I'm it may think. be unfair, but you know, I kept thinking it was the Diane Kruger? But I looked her up and I don't see a film that she was in. So it was the actress was not Yugoslavia. Not uh, Yugoslavia. Yeah. This sounds so Yugoslavia, interesting.
1: It, yeah. it, it, there's another movie that sounds similar. What was the the male protagonist's profession?
2: I can't remember. I don't remember. There was one. There was like he was some type of
1: not like a music conductor, but like train conductor, or some industrial some working in some industry.
2: Yes. And yeah, I think so. And yes. this, this, the dark scenes take place in like an attic. Yes. And you know. I know the film
1: now. I okay. just forget the title. Right. I did include this in. I think my study of it's a black wave film. It's an yes. Alice. Yes. Um, and for viewers unfamiliar with that term. It's like giving a lecture for my thesis almost. but it's similar to like the French New Wave or Italian yeah. Neorealism, these experimental films that came out in the 60s and 70s in Yugoslavia that saw a more critical look at Yugoslav culture and yeah. identity. Yeah. And they dealt with, as we're talking now, a darker themes. Stockholm Syndrome isn't something we take lightly. Right. Yeah, but yes, I remember. And at the end, I think they end up parting ways for some reason. Yeah,
2: I, I only remember certain you know scenes. That's why I said sexual awakening because I was quite shocked as a young man how explicit it was. Sounds right for Yugoslav cinema. <laughs> yeah, and also kind of very honest in terms of you know you can be threatened by someone but you can also be attracted to them type of thing so you know it was an interesting take on it but you know in terms of favorite movies I saw a hero you know Asghar Farhadi's iranian director recently I think it's powerful but it's one of my favorite films of all time is you know his uh, a separation Mm -hmm. I don't see movies more than once usually and I saw that one three times because wow. I was so taken by it. I think he's one of the best around. He did make some, that in between when he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to introduce Western actors and actresses and things like
1: that. So could you go into a hero a bit and why
2: a hero you? is about you know this man who just comes out of prison. It's in Iran, obviously, and current Iran, and and he tries. You know, something happens, it sort of marks him either as a hero or a loser and it's all about how he deals with this small fortune he comes across and, you know, what he does with that. He's out of prison temporarily, right? Because he's in prison for owing someone money, losing this money that he owes, and so he's on uh, furlough basically. But he has to go back, and that it's very short. You know, it just happens in three, two, three days. And oh wow, it's all about again like Farhadi's other movies, how it's about people right. mm-hmm. dealing with each other and. Uh, So there's no damsel in
1: distress or incoming nuclear attack by some shadow organization. No, it's all about
2: how families, friends, and community members deal with each other and understand and it's extremely well done. And he doesn't, in this movie, he doesn't try to create sympathetic individuals, sort of like Jane Campion. It doesn't seem like he's interested in creating heroes. Mm-hmm. And I think that title should have a question mark at yeah. the end, A Hero. Same with the A Separation, you know, you've seen it, right? Or It's maybe. been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time, yeah. yeah. And there, you can't, you're like, am I only sympathizing with the wife or the husband or... Or nobody. Going? Or nobody, yeah. and that's really, I think, really well done.
1: It, it is hard to do that, especially with like today's context. I was talking to some other um, filmmakers and writers that were on my the podcast so far, and there is all right now, especially the post-COVID context, there's a drive to make sure that all of these films return economic investments. Sure, yeah. And that means making likeable characters or having things that will get viewers to come back and see it again or tell others. Right. But I think there is something brave about showing like Power of the Dog or a hero or even you can talk about Anna Karenina or um, Notes from Underground. Yeah, yeah. Some Russian novels there. Oh yes, yes, right. Very unlikable characters but you're reading it not because you're trying to empathize or see yourself as one of the characters. Sure. But it's almost more like it's a (laughs) <laughs> almost a sociological study of humans.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean talking about other cinemas like, you know, the Turkish film I don't know if you've seen it, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. Is no, but
1: I know a lot of films that yeah, are coming with those names based off of Oh, what's his name, the director, telling director.
2: Yeah, yeah. Once Upon a Time in America, right? Yeah, and there's also know? Once Upon a Time in Shanghai now that they okay. Right. Out. right. Oh, no, in
1: Hong Kong, I apologize. Right.
2: Oh. So that's another film I'm a fan of and uh, But also, I don't know if you've seen the Russian film, The Leviathan. Mm, No, that's one that slipped past my radar. Yeah, Leviathan or The Leviathan, I can't remember the full title, but also a remarkable film. And
1: similar themes?
2: Oh, not at all. It's just the approach to filmmaking, maybe. You know, in terms of, again, people dealing with each other. I guess I'm drawn to those. Oh, I do like... Action films, too. I mean, that, that's a very explicit dealing with each other. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> I mean, like Jurassic Park, number Glossy. one, of course, but you know, the i the others are just formulas. But you get something out of these action movies that if of they're course. well made, of yeah. course, and I
1: always appreciate seeing films that you could tell the people besides the director and the actors were enjoying, like the stat, the, um. Coordinators, the mm-hmm. grip of the. You mentioned the action films I enjoyed, it. I just immediately think of like John Wick because that one's just.
2: I haven't seen it, I'd love to see it. Yeah, it's so simple. Yeah. And honest. It's Keanu Reeves, right? Yeah, Keanu yeah. Reeves. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's a very straightforward premise. It's a man loses his wife, posthumously <laughs> gets a dog, Russian mobster's son wants to steal his car and does something to the dog. turns out man is a former assassin and then the movie just goes from there and Willem Dafoe's in it and I love Willem Dafoe. He's a great
2: great theater actor. Uh, Everybody knows him because Spider-Man but I've seen him on stage in his uh, theater group. What is it called? A very experimental theater group.
0: The name of the aforementioned group is the Worcester Group.
2: I forget that the, it's really well-known. In terms of action also, I don't know if you've seen Killing Eve, the BBC series. Oh, No, 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 I have not. But Killing Eve... These are, we're getting good recommendations for... Yeah, Killing Eve is... I've only seen the first two seasons and I haven't seen the third, but... It's pretty remarkable. Who you stars know. in that? Now I'm blanking with all these names. Oh, it's all okay. Yeah. She's just, I think she's one of the best comedians around. Amazing timing. Sandra Oh. Oh, Sandra Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sandra Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's an English actress. I think her name is Jodie Comer. C-O-M-E-R.
0: At this point, we transition in our conversation towards discussing gender in film.
1: I'm curious, because we talked about gender uh-huh. a lot too, which is um, always just an enlivening conversation, but yeah, have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? <laughs> yes, yes. And what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a that's a party conversation I bring up often, I'm like, this is a pretty cool feminist film, because...
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know that there's this new trend in terms of girl power ideas, you Right. Know, I'm actually sort of cheapening that whole thing, but the idea is... You know, women can do all this that men can do, you know, and even better, probably, in some cases. That yeah. was Charlize Theron's character in that.
0: Oh, but that film, it was
1: very interesting because, you know, it, there was no damsel. I mean, there were damsels in distress, but it was Charlize Theron who was trying to get them out of it. Max just happened to be there. Yeah. And yeah. it's not um oh, we need a man to do everything movie. Right. Rather, right. it was much more of a, almost a commentary about how. First, humans can use each other, help each other, and second, it's it's a great critique of these these um, (laughs) dystopian monopolies of industries, like very like whether that be with weapons manufacturing or natural resources like water, or there was the um, gluttony food and oil baron, right? He was a big grotesque figure. Right, right.
2: Well, also I think it's about you know how the film industry always resisted either female leads for a long time unless they were sort of a certain stereotype right. or non-white actors and it's been proven you know in the last i would say maybe five years or you know not more than five years that you know these movies still bring money oh yeah and you know that Marvel character Black Panther all oh, right yes um, it's a huge hit right Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace yes but yeah I know he's he was one of the best ever yeah Oh,
1: great but yeah, yeah. no huge success
2: yeah so it, they have already proven you know
1: it really goes to show how um, even though you know social the march towards social progress or social justice is slow but it's going and, and I'm trying to think um, I know Zoe Kravitz, another um, actor of yeah. color, was great in um, the Batman. the new Yeah, one. I
2: want to see Batman because we're talking about, again, sort of characters mm-hmm. that are not likable. I heard the actor who plays it, uh, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson is, I guess, playing it in a way that. Very the, emo. Did you like it? Um, Do you
1: recommend it? I enjoyed the film. I mean, I'm, I'm a Batman comic okay. a fan, but I'm also, I'm so like a mess with these mediums. I mean, yeah. I thought it was a great film. I mean, I still think that, you know, the Dark Knight is a great crime film that just happens to have Batman.
2: I see. Yeah. But the Batman was, it was a good film. Dark Knight is the one with? Joker. Joker. And the Heath Ledger. Heath, oh, another. Lost, loss, loss you know, but fantastic incredible. I still remember and that's
1: when the movie is like I saw multiple times just yeah. because it was so mm-hmm. dense but also oh, yeah. it, I don't know it, each scene was just you captivated yeah. especially when drug comes in you have no idea what Heath is planning on doing yeah or right. going
2: with it well and, you know in Broadback back mountain I think mm-hmm. he just made the movie I mean not to dismiss Gyllenhaal but Heath Ledger was just
1: Ran away with it. Yeah. Incredible. And Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal is a great actor as well. I mean, I saw, obviously, Nightcrawler. No, that's another one I want to see, yeah. A very good, not likable character at all. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Very neurotic, very, um, what we're talking about, like, you know, the individualism in society, he's yeah. the embodiment of it. Like, I'm going to use anybody I can to get the position I want. I will lie, I will steal, I'll do whatever. Exactly. Yeah.
2: You know, those two siblings are not afraid of these things, right? Uh, Did you see Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut film this year? It was it. Uh, I remember hearing about it. It's called Good Mother or something like that. Olivia Colman is in it.
0: The film in question is 2021's The Lost Daughter.
2: It's really well done. As an hmm. academic, you may find interesting because she plays this professor. And uh, talk about... And non-likable character as you're yeah. describing Jake Yeah, I mean, it's not. she's not a criminal, but she's you can't really like her, but you still root for her in the movie. Empathize. Yeah. Well, it
1: reminds me of because you know, both Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal are related to Eric Foner, who we've read. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. They're connected with uh, Foner, but now I think two of his monographs.
2: How, do, how are they related? I think they're, he's either their uncle or really? grandfather or something had no along idea. those lines. Interesting. Similar circles.
1: Which is, wow. Yeah, I remember Dr. Yeah. Lur told me another professor at Long Beach uh, told yeah. us about that.
2: Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. A yeah, phoner is so important in, in scholarship. Even though I'm not an Americanist, I, uh, you know, neither of us are. Right. That's right. Yeah. We know the name. Yeah. Oh. No, he's a great scholar. But no, I,
1: I do like um, them Gyllenhaal's in willingness to engage with darker characters, yeah. in terms of thematically, very much willing to kind of tread the line of likability yeah. and hateability. With, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, um, which yeah. Which makes, you know, going back to the, the Batman, yeah, very good job, very emotional. Like, he's, he's, act, he's acting out, I yeah. know, like a teenager almost. Mm-hmm. And he has this whole thing, the father figure with Alfred. Mm-hmm. They did a good job with it. And there's going to be now two more
0: series, I believe.
1: Okay. And I also loved Colin Farrell in it. He plays yeah. the penguin and I had no idea until after oh, the movie. Really? Oh yeah, and he played a like, him, like, like a big like New York like oh, come on like that type yeah, of personality I and I didn't know and I'm like, Oh which New York did they pick off the street? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh no, there's Colin Farrell and I'm like,
0: Are you sure? Oh, like
1: that's
2: great. I recommend yeah. it. It's a long runtime. Yeah. But That being said... Did you see it in the theater? I did see it in the theater. How how did it feel to go to a theater? Was it your first time since the... No, uh,
1: I've been going with my friend because he's uh, an editor in the film industry. So, one of my best friends, Robert. And we went together, we go often together. And we all, you know, masked up and all that. Although now we don't really have to. Yeah, But it's been nice with the theaters and it felt good again. Like, yeah, there were some people chatting a bit. Like while the lights were dimming, we are like, okay, come on. But then I'm like, hey, it's kind of nice to feel this frustration again. And right, it would be great. Right,
2: right, right. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. No, seeing in the theater was nice. And there was also, I'm trying to think, the other films that I saw recently. I really haven't, like, since... That was the only film I saw since going back from Serbia this winter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what I want to see next. There are some smaller films coming out, but nothing's really kind of grabbing my attention.
2: Yeah, it's also... These days, because movie theaters are not completely in business yet, mm-hmm. you know, I used to live in the valley, so I was closer to many of those Light theaters, right. and I used to be able to see some films that are not, weren't released widely, so it was like a privilege, you know, it would be like the weekend, and it would be only shown in, you know, Arclight in New York or something, oh, so nice. I did see good films you know, that way. Uh, I kind of miss that. I mean, we had one theater in Long Beach, you know, the one on 4th, right? um, That is also good. Uh, Obviously, I love that theater. Uh, No, I was talking about the one on Pacific Highway. Uh, uh, the, um, United AMC, Artists Marina, or something. Mar- Marina? No, yeah. it's in the back, you know, small theater, United Artists. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Which yes. has been closed and maybe closed forever. But so unfortunate. They used to, you know, bring some of these, as they call, art movies there. Right. That was the only theater. Otherwise, you had to drive somewhere to see some of these. I do want to see Parallel Mothers by Alma Yeah, Parallel Mothers. You know, and I, it, several friends saw it and they thought it was really well done. I mean, it's interesting to us, I think, historians, because it's about, I think, the Civil War in Spain. Yeah. So it, I'm curious about that. too. Otherwise, I mean, I like Alma most, most of his films, and
1: so we'll see. Well, ringing up the Civil War in Spain well, reminded me of two things were related to one person, which was Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, with Pan's Labyrinth, which yes. I thought was a
2: one of my favorites. Yeah,
1: beautiful film, brutal also. I mean, he doesn't yeah. shy away from the violence of yeah. it. but what an amazing blend of like historical fiction with fantasy, fantasy yeah, and surrealism, and even yeah. like towards the end, you're not even sure what's happening or what's. Not happening.
2: Yeah. His new movie is curious. Nightmare Alley. I, actually, I saw
1: it. The, oh, you did? Yeah.
2: What did you think? I thought
1: it was good. Um, yeah. It was a fun noir and also unbiased. I love Art Deco. Yeah, And it had right. a lot of Art Deco. Sure, that period, um, right? Yes, yes. I thought it was a solid movie, honestly. Okay. Um, I w-
2: think Donna, it's a couple of reviewers said, you know, it doesn't know where it's going or it doesn't gel or it doesn't come together or something like that may maybe quoting them wrong. Yeah. But,
1: um, you know, so. it, it definitely kind of has that um, meandering in the beginning. Yeah. I think that's where they're kind of turned off. Right. But then later it starts picking up, but it's adapted from a book. Um, yeah. yeah. So it kind of does read. I don't, I don't yeah. want to say read like a book but it yeah. know, viewed like a book. I enjoyed it but yeah. I could also, it's not one of Del Toro's best. best. Like Cronos yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I, haven't, um, I haven't seen it. I yeah. think it's on Netflix now but also okay. another reason I'm biased because one of my favorite comic illustrators Mike Mignola did uh, oh. a lot of the artwork for that film really? or like after the release but yeah it's okay. um, he did he's famous for Hellboy.
2: Oh yeah, Hellboy. And Del yeah, Toro's. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right, right. Um, I think one of my favorites this year is The Summer of Soul. Mm, yes, Questlove's film. Right. And, you know, of course, bring, it brings back so many memories from my youth. Oh, more like childhood. But, um, you know, we grew up listening to Motown mm. and you know, Temptations, Stylistics, you know, and uh, Supremes and I was a huge fan of Gladys Young and the clips, and, mm. uh, and also, of course, you know, um, some protest music from that era. Um, so, it's such an amazing, again, for historians, it's, a, it's basically a found footage. Of c- Exactly. And, you know, we didn't even know it existed, and it's so remarkable to see it. Yeah. It's also,
1: I think, important in terms of um, providing platforms and voices to marginalized communities. Sure. And the fact that it's fascinating that not only that this footage was here all along, observed, waiting, but the silence regarding it. Whereas, how many Woodstock films have we gotten?
2: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: And Woodstock was a complete... um, mess in terms of the planning of it, like yeah, you know, the yeah. coordinators did not do it well. No, yeah. Questlove, that was a great film and also I'm a fan of Questlove, I mean he's a oh, yeah, phenomenal
2: yeah. drummer. Right, yeah. and also he's a poet and he's everything, you know, he's such a talent. Yeah, well, a
1: Renaissance person yeah, um, in uh, today's yeah. day and age, which is nice that we're now kind of branching out from what do you do versus what can you do? Right. And just right. like in this what,
2: case, why can't you do? What can't you do? <laughs> exactly.
1: And Questlove is, um, yeah, yeah, author, and he also has his podcast. He has his host on I think on yeah. Pandora show, which is always great. Uh-huh. And he's just on a, a great, I think, representative music because he has that love and without that um right. judgment that often comes with those highly trained musicians, uh-huh. like you know, a lot of uh, elitists, so to speak, that would all. all right. be Reminds me a bit of Frank Zappa. Not saying he was elitist, but he was definitely a very, yeah, um, right, abrasive in terms of how he helped with his band members. But then Questlove, it's just interesting. The band leader as a drummer, which musically also makes sense.
2: Yeah, and it's not that common, right? No, not that common,
1: especially in today's day and age. Yeah, yeah. But it is fantastic. But we have touched upon a lot today Dr. Eamon and so we had like three whole pages worth
2: well you're a great conversationalist so, so you, that helps
1: like right back at you yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's the um, one thing I don't have to shy, be shy about I, 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 I can easily talk as long as those are willing to engage back and forth
2: yeah, yeah. but
1: I actually wanted to go back to the topic of superheroes because yeah. as a historian for me it's hard not to know superheroes within the context of the Ubermensch the yeah. Uberman I mean uh, the fascist idea of what a peak or um, pinnacle person is. I just realized Veda's like, don't get political.
2: Um, <laughs> sorry, Veda. Um, but
1: I was recently watching, um, or not watching, Red, the Watchmen comic. Oh, uh-huh. Which I think is fascinating because yeah. talk about unlikable characters. Yeah. And there's like, like, imagine if all of like, your favorite superheroes were actually yeah.
2: Psychopaths I mean, uh, uh-huh. or whittled down, morally broken and yeah. raging narcissists. Right. I mean, Watchmen. I only know it through the series, which is also and phenomenal. Yes. So I've never read it as a comic. So how does it compare? How do they two compare? The Watchmen series played out more of a
1: mystery, kind of what's going on, and they were uh, very dealing uh-huh. of certain. Elements I really like what they did with Rorschach in terms of how he became a symbol for these white nationalists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was misappropriated from his original intent. But at the same time, he did publish the new the. Far right publication at the end of the yeah, comics. Yeah. The comics were much more of a noir and gritty, and just mm. um, dealing with the Cold War. Actually, okay, it was much more of how do we stop the inevitable nuclear annihilation of humans yeah. because of increased tensions. Right, right. And y- yeah. it really goes into morality and. Yeah. arc and that is interesting. Yeah. Rorschach's arc is interesting. Um, Doctor well, Manhattan was yeah
2: i was just thinking about how what i remember from it you're talking about gender i think Mm -hmm. i remember regina king's character the most Mm -hmm. as the most i guess it left uh you know more impact on my memory of the film than anybody else in the the strong character so was is is that character central in the no Um,
1: her um arc and especially with um hooded justice Mm -hmm. they were much more in the background of Mm -hmm. that film the plot mostly revolves around one of the original watchmen Mm -hmm. is killed and the rorschach the one with the mask um whose later images are appropriated right Um, wants to investigate with this other character that wasn't in the series, the Night Owl, uh-huh. and they kind of look around and try to piece together who could kill a superhero. They mm-hmm. said it was just some random person, but they're like, "There's no way." Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, then there's also a subplot with Doctor Manhattan and Sally Jupiter figuring out, you know, their relationship, and and Doctor Manhattan is like, well, "How can a person who is essentially a deity function on Earth? Mm-hmm. How could they experience human relationships when?" You know, everybody around them is talking and they're just like analyzing neutrinos and how they yeah, float yeah, around right almost right. like an existential commentary
2: well you know i grew up with uh, mostly belgian uh made uh comic books like tintin so or something Tintin, and um asterix right and red kid i don't know if you've heard of red I heard kid of red it's kid. hilarious red it's like um you know, it's this cowboy, and uh, and Dalton brothers, these four brothers who are the, you know, the anti heroes, red kid and his horse, and it's, you know, we grew up, and then we, grew up with this, you know, supposedly western cartoons, Tom Mix, Texas, mm-hmm. and. I'm sure they're not made in America. I, I need to look up and we assumed they were made in America and represented American of Westerns course. and so we used to just basically inhale them was well, like the spaghetti westerns exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the, our image of the Americas of America's uh, Western culture yeah
1: which is obviously probably violent. Hyper macho.
2: Yes, very much so. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. and almost always about the everyday man against whatever yeah. crooked group it is or foreign group, which would ironically be indigenous
2: tribes. Right. And Although I used to always identify with the Native American characters, even though the comic book didn't necessarily, you know, emphasize that. Anyway, it's it's interesting. That's kind of the fun
1: but not fun, but fascinating part of all of these mediums. Like, it doesn't matter what your intention is for audiences to sympathize with. There will always be those that empathize with lesser known characters. I mean, it reminds me of, you get this in positive ways, which I see with the, related to indigenous peoples. Because, I mean, also for me, like all, you know, all of the films, like, you know, their approach to nature of the world, even if it is some um, stereotype, there is something that I think is nice about the message. And then learning that as a historian about a lot of their cultures and especially their approach to hunting and using parts of the animal yeah I appreciate a lot right. um, but then you also have the inverse effect where you know Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is now like an icon for uh, masculinity
2: yeah that's what I heard yeah yeah very right. alarming sure very it's
1: like a oh, mentally disturbed yeah. and homicidal person is somebody you want to look
2: homicidal. up to? Yeah. yeah well it tells you we pick our own heroes who are somehow similar to us or something. I don't know. But um, one thing that popped into mind, again, thinking about the past, I used to love Emir um, Hustodica. as films. And, you know, but of course, there are some issues with that, you know, the representation of the Roma. Yep. But, you know, at that time, before we questioned all these representations you know I was always fascinated by it and then of course much later that other film came up La Chodrome. have you seen it? La Chodrome? La Chodrome. Mm. Uh, Is it the uh, No it's uh, the French director Tony Gatliff. Uh, La Chodrome, I think it said uh, it's a Roma word. It's also about you know the Roma as they used to call them gypsies from you know it's a it's it's actually a musical Mm. musical in a way not like Broadway musical but um, starts with a group of people uh, in India in Rajasthan and ends in Spain oh so it follows I think yeah. we saw clips of this in our Silk Quotes class. I classroom. think, yes, I showed the film, I think, in Silk I think we quotes. did, yes, yes, yeah.
1: yes. No, great film. I remember loving the music. because. Right.
2: And the part in, uh, you know, Eastern Europe. Really remarkable because it's post-Second World War. Yeah.
1: Great. And I love the, also the 1992 dress. Um, I just actually talked to these Slovakian filmmakers that would, or no, documentary makers that went and befriended these Roma communities mm-hmm. and recorded not only the songs they play currently, which is their um, Romified mm-hmm. pop songs, but also the songs that the parents would play, like these traditional Roma music. And mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. fascinating to see how one group links so many cultures through music, mm-hmm. even though that they are perpetually exploited or appropriated yeah. um, and shunned, they're still such an integral part of identity almost like yeah. an other a necess- necessary sure. other
2: yeah, I mean, this is what I think Gottlieb is trying to do, you know in these, all these communities, music is the uh, sort of uniting factor also identify identity maker identity creator and all the way I mean, I uh, from Rajasthan to Spain's flamenco, you see in between. There's Egypt. There's mm. Turkey. There's, you know, uh, Slovakia, and Romania, and France. And then you know you look at the, you look at France, French uh, episode where they're doing, you know, uh, swing. Wow! And with the guitars and it's remarkable. Yeah, it's re- really well done. Incredibly talented. But um, this
1: was great, Dr. Iman. I want yeah, to thank sure, you again. sure,
2: sure, yeah, for agreeing yeah. to participate. And yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for asking me, and I enjoyed it very much. Of course.
0: And that wraps up this week's episode of the Frontiers Cafe. I'm Milan Jukovic, and thank you for stopping by.